Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the New Statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're talking about the film Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri and the Channel 4 comedy Derry Girls. Anna has also watched Arrested Development for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. I feel like one pop cultural thing that everyone I know has been talking about lately, at least, is this story that was published on this website called babe.com about a girl who went on a date with Aziz Ansari, and she calls the date the worst night of her life. And it's kind of mm. a sad story about basically men not respecting women's lack of enthusiasm during sexual encounters and it's kind of provoked a lot of discussion around the issue not just whether Aziz Ansari is now like a dirtbag that we should put in the same bracket as you know lots of other men accused of kind of sexual assault and not respecting consent the conversation has moved on from that to be about how we talk about sexual consent and how women negotiate boundaries and how men negotiate boundaries and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a, an interesting and I have to say so far I've been quite impressed by some of the more nuanced discussions that have been happening because there has been round the edges the usual sort of like oh well you know she shouldn't have gone home with him if she didn't want to do it or well he shouldn't have done anything kind of versions of events but there have also been discussions about you know the way women are brought up to think about sex as not something that's really for them it's something that they do for other people the writer Ashley Ford had a really interesting thread about that mm. where she talked about a conversation she had with a fellow student when she was at college in which it was gradually revealed that the other woman just had no sense that sex was something that should be good for her mm. she just thought it was like something you allowed your boyfriend to do mm. so that other aspects of the relationship that you did like could happen. Mm. Conversations like that I think are really good. I have to say the statement that Aziz Ansari released about the whole thing I found quite sad. Yeah, it's a bit pathetic, isn't it? Yeah, because he was basically saying like, at the time I had no idea that she felt like that. Yeah, and, as though the onus isn't on you, know, you to kind of explore that. <laughs> yeah, although it didn't exactly say these words, like it did have a little bit of the like, I'm sorry if you were offended. Yeah, and feeling about it rather than like I'm sorry if anything I did caused anyone harm, you know. Yeah. 
I've been thinking a lot about when these things upset me, why they upset me. Because a lot of these mm. people, I don't know Aziz Ansari. What, like, should I give a shit whether he's a good person or a bad person or, you know, those are extreme binaries to talk in or, you know, or whether he's someone who's kind of like done something disappointing. Should Should I care? One thing that I found myself really surprised by getting upset about was the news that I think something like four women have accused James Franco of inappropriate mm. conduct. James Franco is someone who seems like a dirtbag. <laughs> I don't know how else to put yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, Anna, why are you surprised? I wasn't surprised, <laughs> but I was really upset. And I actually, I cried. I had to like leave my desk mm. and cry in the toilet. And I was like, why do I care about James Franco like everything about James Franco signals like I'm a sleazeball and I find him embarrassing and I find all his weird kind of like semi-art projects and poems and like all the like cringe crap that he's done just absolutely irritating but there's also something about him that I still see from like freaks and geeks and this is probably all tied into like how like pretty white men are like infantilized by society. And I'm sure there's something kind of sexist and racist in like the way that I think of him as a little boy. But I think of him in those scenes from Freaks and Geeks where mm. he's like crying because he like can't get his life on track and he's trying really hard. And I just felt really disappointed that he wasn't as human as I'd thought because in those scenes he seems so human and vulnerable. And I was like... Oh, James Franco is like not able to extend the required amount of empathy to or is refusing to re extend the required amount of empathy to other women in order to be like a fully formed human person. And that makes me really, really sad. And I was like, why am I disappointed? And then with Aziz Ansari, I felt disappointed too, because he's somebody yeah. who's so obviously kind of built a reputation on being progressive and knowing about sex and he's obviously written a book about quote modern love or whatever and it's depressing and it's not surprising because we all know like super feminist men who are then revealed to be just like totally personally not held to the same account as they hold people politically but it's still just super depressing to me that these people aren't seeing women as like fully formed human beings and aren't making the right moral choices and a, a disappointing is the only word that I can use for it and I'm kind of like mm. weirdly sad for them which I know is maybe a slightly weird meninist thing to say but I'm sad that they weren't able to be better people and I'm disappointed for them that they that they've had to like disappoint other people and themselves by not being better people it's just really fucked up <laughs> yeah I feel disappointed especially Aziz Ansari really hit me as well like I've felt very disappointed in him and for him and then the other thing that slightly got to me was that to me his statement smacked very much of something that had been like written with the help of a publicist you know he had spoken to his team and they decided that this was the best way to try and diffuse this whole situation that makes me sad that even after everything that's happened everything that's happened in the last few months mm. Weinstein times up all the rest of it a publicist and a famous man still think that this isn't going like they aren't more scared basically yeah you know although there's no allegations of anything illegal this could still hang around him like a bad smell mm. for quite a long time but they just don't care like if they cared his statement would have said i'm absolutely terribly sorry like i will never it would have been properly apologetic but they just don't think they need to apologize and it counts you know it's, it's the kind of statement that really counts on the fact that there are loads of 
high profile columnists now writing pieces saying like if Aziz Ansari's done something wrong, then we have to lock up all men and just like give up on sex yeah. or whatever. It relies on the people who when you'll look back on and be like, well, they were on the wrong side of history. It relies on being supported yeah. by them. And it's surprising to me that even from a purely cynical perspective, Aziz Ansari wants to align himself with that narrative. You know, it's it's weird. And it's just it's just bizarre and then on the other hand you've got people like timothy chalamet who is i think he's in a woody allen film that comes out quite soon yeah he's in and with Selena you know he'd been getting quite a lot of stick obviously over the over award season and stuff for that and uh he put out a statement on instagram i think yesterday the day before basically saying you know i accepted this film I thought that it was just a role, but now I understand that it's much, much more than that, that it's a signal about the kind of person I am, but I don't want to be that person. So I've decided that I absolutely don't want to profit from this film. I'm denoting all the like salary I would have earned mm. from it. And I've really learned from this experience. Mm. That is someone who doesn't want this to blight his career mm. and also wants to be on the right side yeah. of things. It's so hard to tell, isn't it? Because who's cynical and who's like for real in this stuff. And I'm sure Timothy Chalamet just might have a good PR team who are very cynically like, this is the right move for the current climate. And obviously yeah. his career depends so much on judging the current climate, right? Because he's up and coming, because he's got these three yeah. massive films under his belt and he needs them to like now carry him forward into like being a really serious recognized actor so it could all be total bollocks it's really i don't know it's really hard to, to navigate this whole thing because i feel like even if it is bollocks i'm kind of glad and i'm glad that greta gerwig made her statement and said what she said and rebecca hall have both just you know in the week in the days and, and weeks preceding timothy chalamet donating his fee have also said you know i regret working with woody mm. allen i wouldn't do it again i'm donating the the fee or whatever and i'm really glad it, it's one of those things where you can really see cause and effect and you can see right here's one person especially greta gerwig who's been asked about woody allen like three times maybe over the promo cycle for ladybird and the first mm. time was like very defensive and deflected the question back onto the interviewee terry gross and the second time was like look i'm thinking about it a lot and I don't really know where I stand and then the third time was like I actually wouldn't do it again and I regret it and and you can yeah. see someone who's actually really genuinely thought about this and decided you know what this is the right call to make actually and <laughs> you can see that that has led to more change and that's kind of heartening to see that actually two or three yeah. actresses in the bubble of Hollywood, at least, which is obviously a, a very um, anomalous industry because it's one that's so about pleasing the public. But anyway, e at least in that bubble, change can happen just by a few people being like, actually, I'm not comfortable with this anymore. So that's good. Yeah. And I mean, I'm kind of at the point now where I actually don't care if they're doing it for cynical reasons or mm. not. I care what it signals about what you were saying about like the tide of history. Mm. If they're scared and they want to, and they see one side as being the right side and yeah. they want to be on it that's progress as far as I'm run, concerned run little boy <laughs> run know? yeah no totally. you know and the fact that Aziz Ansari doesn't see that kind of makes me really sad yeah I guess I'm, I'm also interested in like seriously listeners we've talked about this kind of stuff so much on the podcast but like I'm interested in what different people's reactions were to different mm. accusations around different men because I mean, we've talked about this so much, but Johnny Depp was so dispiriting for me. I was just like, great, this is just 
one of the last people I really would have expected this of and it's happened and I'm really disappointed with Louis CK I was just so angry because I was like fuck you for like inviting us all to take part in your like persona and your lies about who you were and with James Franco I was really really sad and I just I don't I can't really account fully for why my reactions vary time after time but they do and I guess it's about celebrity is always about what these people kind of like represent to us and there's all this kind of fake intimacy there where you think you know you think you know celebrities that's the whole point is that they're they're created to try and convince you that you know them and so you decide that they say something about humanity to you and then (laughs) when stuff like this comes out you're like oh shit (laughs) that was a total falsehood so do email in seriously listeners with your thoughts on the impending apocalypse and we'll chat about it some more yeah definitely also if you haven't already check out our pre-weinstein problematic faves live show in which we did talk lots more about our feelings about Mm. this anyway shall we move on (laughs) to the first item of today like at the moment by the way it's like "Mm, i'm just going to think about like sexual assault and like my own experiences in life and like pop culture and famous men for 75 minutes while staring into space and then a bit of my brain's like anyway <laughs> gonna have to continue with the day and pretend that this isn't like melting my brain <laughs> but yeah let's 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 try and carry on this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, we're not moving that far away from it, unfortunately, because the first thing we're going to talk about today is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is a black comedy film written and directed by the Irish playwright Martin McDonough whose previous work for theatre includes The Cripple of Inishman and Hangmen and his films In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. 
In Three Billboards, Frances McDormand plays Mildred Hayes, a mother still grieving after the rape and murder of her daughter seven months before. She rents three billboards outside her town to highlight the fact that the police have made no arrests, and the subsequent controversy convulses the community. The film also stars Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell and Peter Dinklage, and has so far won Golden Globes for Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress and Best Screenplay. What's along what you can and cannot say on a billboard? I assume you can't say nothing defamatory and you can't say fuck, piss, or cunt. That right? Or anus? I think I'll be all right then. I guess you're Angela Hayes' mother. That's right. I'm Angela Hayes' mother. So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. What the hell is this? Dixon, I'm in the middle of my goddamn Easter dinner. Sorry, kids. I know, Chief, but I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on a good time. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. We've had two official complaints about those billboards. From who? The lady with a funny eye. A lady with a funny fucking eye? And a fat dentist. There's a lot of good friends of Willoughby in this town, Miss Hayes. Ow! Ah! You didn't happen to drill a little hole in the dentist today, did you? Of course not. Ah? Huh? I said, of course not. I'm sorry about Angela, but the town is dead set against these billboards. You know who threw that can? What can? How about you, sweetheart? Uh, no, I, I didn't really... Go, girl. Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead. The more you keep a case in the public eye, the better your chances are getting it solved. And when I see the sign... You know, if you hadn't stopped coming to church, you'd have a little bit more understanding of people's feelings. All this anger, man. It just begets greater anger. In three, two, one. And as sad as the spectacle of these billboards might be, this reporter, for one, hopes this finally puts an end to the strange saga of the three billboards outside. This doesn't put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you put that on your good morning, Missouri fucking wake up broadcast, bitch? Before we get into this, can I just like pause for some celebrity gossip? I feel like maybe we should have a celebrity gossip like 10 minutes on Seriously, but did you know that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is dating Martin McDonough? She's got divorced from her husband. She was like at the table at the Golden Globes on the like three billboards table. And I saw people tweeting like, why is she on their table? And it's because they're dating. (laughs) How mad is that? No, that's total news to me. I know. That is mad. Uh, But I can sort of see how the... This is a big leap, but like their sensibility would work. Yeah, I like, don't know. I don't know enough about him to be honest. I've, I've only I haven't seen that. Well, many I don't know film. anything about him. I'm I'm talking purely about his work, mm. but like as well, you get it a bit in Three Billboards. Like he's not afraid of a very very dark laugh. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And neither is she. So very yeah, odd. Anyway. <laughs> um, I also at some point we probably don't have time today, but there's been some real rumors on the twitter about lord and jack antonoff following jack antonoff and oh, nina yes. dunham's split 
which I actually feel I've bad about talking about like it's gossip because I yeah. would feel so bad for Lena Dunham if that was true that I actually it just makes me too sad <laughs> imagine I actually can't I even imagine it it would be so awful for her and it's too much like a storyline straight out of girls that like stabbed me in the heart so I actually just can't even yeah. <laughs> go there but anyway back to the film it's it's had so much awards hype but it's also been quite a controversial one I wasn't really aware of the like discourse surrounding this film before I went in to see it because I just kind of wanted to go in blind so I hadn't read any reviews or I sort of avoided even the tweets about it and I found it to be a very strange film I don't know what you made of it yeah I found it very strange as well I found it quite powerful and after several days of like letting it sit I think I've decided that I think it's really good but that was by no means a universal opinion because my boyfriend came away from it feeling completely the opposite and was actually really distressed about it the next day yeah so that's so funny divisive is clearly the key word it's divisive yeah yeah I um I didn't like it I really didn't like it. <laughs> I really loved the trailer for this film. I thought I first saw the trailer like nine months ago or something ridiculous and was like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's a film I want to see. Like, mm. love Frances McDormand. Like, like the tone that this, this dark tone, it seems to be striking. It looks funny. And it is, it is a film that does try to make you laugh a lot, even though it is about quite yeah. dark stuff. But for me... I just found it like cheap. <laughs> I found it unearned. I found that it was trying to like make big grand statements about humanity that it like didn't back up. I think my main problem with it was that I found the script quite unempathetic. One of my main problems with it was that I felt that as an audience, we were invited to laugh at things that were like very on the line jokes and then later other characters would make jokes similar to the ones we'd just laughed at as an audience and it would be used to like cast them as villains. So for example, mm. Peter Dinklage's character is on a date with Francis McDormand's character and he says, oh, excuse me, I'm going to use the little boy's room. And the cinema I was in, that line got quite a big laugh because it's like, oh, he's literally too little to get away with using the phrase little boy's room because it kind of like emasculates him in this weird way. And then Mm. seconds later, her ex-husband comes along and says, you know, oh, she's much taller than you. And it's like a really horrible, like humiliating thing for him to say. And I'm like, well, hang on. We've just treated this character as a punchline. Like your script has just invited us to treat this character as a bit of a cheap punchline for his height. And then the next second you're using that to be like, oh, look at the ex-husband. He's like a bit of a nasty character. And I found that happening quite a lot at different points in the script. Like there's a there's a scene that involves like lots of throwing around of the n-word and for me seeing like yes. a majority white cast using that for like comic effect and seeing my like pretty much entirely white cinema really laughing quite hysterically at it I was a bit like oof this is a bit I don't know I don't know about this lads like <laughs> this feels a bit tricky to me and like Similarly, there are lots of kind of hints about the Sam Rockwell character having beaten up a black citizen earlier in the in the timeline of the film before we kind of come in. But we never really hear much about it. We never see from his family or from him if he's even still alive. And it feels like, oh, that's been quite conveniently left out of the picture. And 
enables us to empathize with this character in a way that perhaps we wouldn't had we met that character had we met his family so for me the overall messages about like humanity and empathy that the film was trying to convey kind of fell short because I didn't think the script was particularly empathetic in its own way yeah I definitely think that's all true I agree with all of that what I decided was that it totally fails as a film that's trying to say something Mm. about people in general but if and and on that count because I think it is trying to do that I think it is trying to make bigger points I think it totally fails on that but if they had just done it as a drama about some people living in a place I think it would have been amazing Mm. if you know what I mean so like I'm thinking of was it certain women that we saw that we talked about last year you know which was very much just like a drama about some people it wasn't trying to make any generalized points about humanity. It was just showing you specific characters and specific situations. Mm. I think they could have done three billboards like that and just said, you know, these people are just themselves. They're not standing in for any bigger tropes. And let's watch how the drama plays out between them. Mm. And that, I think, then you would have had a much greater sense that like, yes, Sam Rockwell's character is a bad person, but let's see how his badness develops and what happens with it rather than feeling like you need him to be punished or you need him to redeem himself Mm. or something Mm. because that's necessary for the morality tale that the film is trying to perform. So yeah, I kind of decided that I like it on the level as a character study and I think it had potential in that direction. And I thought in that way that some of the performances were really great. Like Frances McDormand is amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. And Sam Rockwell, it's a great performance as well. And Sam Rockwell... I also quite liked Woody Harrelson as well. Mm. Like, I'm not a massive fan of his, but I did think he was good in his really sort of blunt role as the police chief that she's calling out with the billboards. But yeah, it's it wasn't a kind of definitely not an unequivocal thumbs up for me. I did think about it for quite a long time. Totally. And I think there's some, so something in your, what you're saying in that there's been a lot of discussion about like, oh, is the Sam Rockwell character too redeemed or not? And I, mm. I guess I agree with you that it, a film doesn't really need to like redeem or not redeem its bad characters. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't need to be that prescriptive in that way. But I think for me, the pro- yeah, you can just have bad people. Yeah, and like, they can they get are, away with you can stuff. just show bad people, and it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that we have to redeem them as an audience because we can be a bit more smart than that. But I think part of my problem with it is that certain characters are privileged so far above other ones in terms of how how the empathy is extended towards them even like for example this is a story about the daughter who is who is quote raped while dying that's that's a massive part of this story we get one tiny flashback about her but we don't we don't learn almost we learn almost nothing about her aside from Mm. what happened to her and she feels disposed of in a way that i don't love and then you have for example, Frances McDormand's character has a black friend who she works with in this shop and she's kind of there to prove that she's not racist. And then she gets like locked yeah. up for half the film and you never even hear her say like, oh, how was prison? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, she was in prison, but like, she's probably fine with it. Like, that's not a big deal. Like she, she's kind of brought back right at the end is this kind of footnote because I was sat there watching it like, oh my God, if they don't bring back that character, that is, if they don't, if they don't resolve her storyline, like, this is going to be mm. so bad and so obviously racist. And then they do kind of bring her back a little bit, but it felt quite perfunctory. But even characters that, 
that they start off showing quite a lot of empathy for like the guy who helps her put the billboards up who is like positioned opposite the police station in in missouri and the sam rockwell character throws him out of the window again we don't really get a proper sense of his interiority after after he's attacked they he's just kind of used to like demonstrate the capacity of like human empathy and then he's forgotten about as well so many characters in this are just like they're used as like weird supporting characters for the other characters is empathy even peter dinklage is kind of his character is used in that way as well and it's just kind of disappointing because it's a bit like you're not saying anything if you don't actually (laughs) explore these characters properly well i do wonder the extent to which the fact that this is like an award season film really harms it Mm. because i think i i'm not anywhere near as knowledgeable enough about like movie history to say whether this has always been the case but i suspect it has that this like winter early spring time when the awards movies are coming out and they're all getting discussed and dissected in advance of the oscars i think there's a real temptation to try and test all Mm. the possible films against the current political climate and say like what do these films say about us now Mm. and the fact that we've chosen this one as our winner this Mm. year what does it tell us so like you know when spotlight won a few years ago that felt good because that was a story about journalistic integrity Mm. in the time of fake news Mm. you know and obviously the post is running in that same vein again this this time and so i feel like this film like everything you're saying is true but it also suffers from the fact that it has to be the, yeah. the, you know, it's like, it's the one hopeful with a really strong female lead. Mm. It's the one hopeful that's really dealing with like matters of rape and assault and like mm. toxic masculinity and stuff. Like it has to be the one that says everything about those subjects yeah. because that's the role it's been cast in. And so I do sort of, I don't like that about the discourse. And I do wonder if this film came out in like October. Would people just be like, yeah, it was critics enjoyable. Feel differently it, was about it. it was fallible. It had points of difficulty but overall yeah. an enjoyable outing to the cinema kind of yeah thing. it did just make me really want to watch fargo and anyone who hasn't yes, seen fargo should watch fargo because that's just such a great movie <laughs> the next thing we're going to talk about this week is dairy girls a channel 4 comedy written by lisa mcgee about a group of teenage girls growing up during the troubles in northern ireland in the 1990s it stars saoirse jackson as erin quinn a girl torn between her eccentric family her madcap school friends and the constant threat of terrorism in her town will the following pupils please report to sister michael's office erin quinn claire devlin michelle Mallon, orla mccool and the wee english fella don't forget expelled Nobody ever actually gets expelled. Wonder Gallagher hasn't even been expelled and she's an ARA. Say that's probably why. Don't worry yourselves too much about the whole sectarian conflict carry on. There's really only one thing you need to know. We're the goodies. So you recommended this to me. You wrote about it in your column last week, right? I did, yep. It is amazing. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's done really well. So joyful. Well. It's had like really good stats in terms of viewing figures for kind of like an unknown comedy just going out on channel four like on a either thursday or friday night i can't remember it's done really well which is fantastic to see because it's it's quite unusual in lots of ways i mean i think from the description it's clear that like you know sitcom set during uh northern irish mm. troubles but also like a, a girl's school 
it's like quite an interesting angle to to go in on and quite a unique one but for me it's also kind of like it made total sense because i think channel four have been making shows in this sort of vein for a little while yes. now i mean i compared it to my mad fat diary or do you remember when Catelyn moran had that raised by wolves series that was sort of ba- based on her growing up which yeah. is these kind of memoirs written by people in their late 20s and to late 30s about like growing up in the 90s <laughs> and it's always these mm. like very smart women who are kind of like trying to re-examine their own coming of age because at, at the time that they were growing up they maybe didn't have quite so many reflections of their own coming of age in in culture so I think it, it kind of makes total sense that Channel 4 have made this in a weird way. Yeah, and the setting completely counterintuitively absolutely works. Mm. Although maybe it's not as counterintuitive as it seems on the surface because stuff like the constant threat of danger and going to a school that's run by nuns mm. is obviously ripe for comedy. You know, I know from, you know, like some of the stories that my own family have told me about growing up in South Africa during apartheid stuff, like when you live in a sort of repressive political situation where every day something dreadful could happen, it becomes incredibly mundane really quickly. And you stop, like there's a scene in the first episode where soldiers with guns get on their school bus to check if there's any bombs in there and stuff. And all the school girls are just like, yeah, whatever, because it happens all the time. Mm. And I think it gets across that really well, like the kind of how you just can't be terrified all the time. Mm. You just you just can't live at that fever pitch. Totally. Life just has to continue, especially I think for a teenager. Um, mm. it, so yeah, it is definitely clever to, to go through it from a teenager's perspective because it doesn't really matter where you are in the world. If you're growing up somewhere, you're still going to have all the all the classic worries and fears and dreams and hopes that any kind of teenager is going to have. And it's the thing is, it's just really funny, isn't it? Because a show like this, it's all it's it can sound like a great idea, but if the jokes aren't there, the jokes aren't there. And this one is just so funny. Yeah, and there's like I really like as well the fact that they brought in the character of the English cousin mm. as a way of being able to articulate <laughs> the viewer by lots proxy. of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, exactly. if you're not in Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's really funny because obviously he's an outsider twice for being English and for being yes. a boy at a girls' school. And it's, it's totally ridiculous and unbelievable and farcical, but that's sort of the joy of it. Yeah, I found it completely joyful, which I feel even slightly guilty saying, given that... Um, you know, it's it's set at such a difficult time and like so many people lost family mm, around that time mm. and all that kind of thing. But I, I sort of feel okay because I've seen several Irish people of my acquaintance who I follow on Twitter just like pissing themselves laughing they watch this. Yeah, exactly. The creator, Lisa McGee herself kind of has said, you know, sometimes the toughest place, place to live is also the funniest. And yeah. that comes across really well. And it's it's in that vein of kind of like, everyone has jokes in their family that are just like like sometimes when my mum speaks me and my sister laugh and she's like why are you laughing at me now and it's like it's nothing she's doing because she's not actually that funny but because she's my mum everything she does just seems funny and there's that vein Mm. of like you feel like you know these characters because all of these people are so underwhelmed by the constant threat of terrorism around them and you know there are people turning up to school saying god this this 
bomb on the bridge is such a nightmare. I begged them to let me drive over the bridge and risk my life, but they wouldn't let me. Or <laughs> that someone just comes down yes. in the morning and it's like, well, I don't know about you, but I am not enjoying this bomb. <laughs> that is so funny. And it's just like the tone of it is yeah. so, and you just feel like, ah, uh, yeah, I feel, I already feel so familiar with these characters that just their very tone of voice is funny to me, mm. which is great. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of um, my my dad was in the army in his early twenties, and he has some really good stories about like life in the camp and how exactly that kind of thing. How like he'd say, "Oh yeah," and like we were all out, you know, sorting out landmines and like diffusing them, and it was the most boring thing ever, and we just had the worst time. But, like, Dad, you could have been blown up at any point. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, but it was so boring." <laughs> that is so funny. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I you do feel instinctively uncomfortable by a big like that's so funny, but because it's all so terrible, mm. <laughs> uh, but it is funny. Yeah, so I'm really excited yeah. to see. It's 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 very traditional in a way. It's a very traditional sitcom because it's you know airing once a week. It's in a half hour slot at like 10 p.m. It's kind of in that in betweeners slot. A lot of people have kind of compared it mm. to the in betweeners. I don't think tonally it's that similar to the in betweeners, but I think I t- think it's much like smarter. Yeah, if that makes sense. I do like the in-betweeners, but it was definitely going for a different kind of humor. It's, it's just a different sort of vibe. And I think it is it is being kind of sold in a similar vein in that one of the strengths of these shows that are kind of like 90s nostalgia shows is that they double their audience because it appeals to current, you know, it's obviously a youth comedy aimed at a youth demographic, but it's also aimed at their parents kind of, or people slightly older mm. because it's got that that 90s nostalgia that people are going to want to i mean it actually had um it had a cranberry song in the in the opening yeah which has now got new sadness but you know very much that kind of like music fashion culture nostalgia that i think a lot of older viewers will really get a kick out of as well and the and the the trailers for it said i can't remember exactly what the phrase was it was something like remember how it how freedom used to feel or something i can't remember <laughs> but it was definitely sold in a vein of like oh uh, look look at how your your youth was so it's definitely it's definitely kind of aimed at a twin audience in the same way that harry styles album can go for like the teens and the dads <laughs> Uh, which is yes good. exactly yeah so i was really pleased to see that i think they've already recommissioned it for a second series oh, wow. based on its like Im- like immediate success and its great numbers for the first few episodes i really look forward to seeing how it develops so before we get into this week's recommend just a quick update for the seriously book club i've already seen some lovely tweets from those of you who've got hold of your copies and are using hashtag seriously book club to share your thoughts Mm. just a reminder we're reading the innocent wife by amy lloyd and we would love to hear your insights we're going to do a a whole episode about it at the end of the month where we interview her and we talk about our thoughts about the book but we'd love to be able to read out some of your ideas and your feelings about it as well so yeah if you've got hold of a copy definitely use the hashtag to tell us what you're thinking so we can include you exciting stuff i better get reading caroline when the when the listeners are beating beating you to your own assignment (laughs) it's bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) Aside from that, Anna, you've also been busy this week watching Arrested Development for the first time. I so have. why don't you tell us how that went? Well, I thought I'll watch one episode of Arrested Development, you know, 
give my vague thoughts that'll be fine i think i watched like seven so <laughs> ha 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 i knew it would get you like that <laughs> um i mean my boyfriend's a big arrested development fan and i think that does really mm. help when you're watching a new program because he's like sat there giggling he wants to watch another one so like with i'm you know <laughs> it would be hard for me to kind of resist it i it's it's really um mixed for me in terms of which jokes make me laugh and which don't but i just friggin love lucille she's so mm-hmm. funny and i you know i love the emily gilmores of this world and she's even though i would like hate them in real life so much i love seeing them on tv for some reason and um i love her character you know i i really feel like i've seen in the first kind of six or seven episodes some like classic quotes from her that i've like seen going around on the internet and i just think the performance is really really good from her i don't know who the yeah. actress is but she's amazing and um just really like never breaks like she never she commits fully to that performance and she does it in the same way that if you were like gunning for an Oscar, you would do it. She just does it fully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's part of what makes it so funny that it's played kind of weirdly straight. And yeah, I, I, I find that much funnier than say Job, who's very stylized in the performance. He's got this like really ridiculous kind of amdram hammy voice. Um, yeah. Sometimes the jokes with Job don't really land for me because they've gone too far into like stylized silliness. Um, but all the Lucille jokes and I I love the um, George Michael and maybe plotline Michael Sarah and Aaliyah Shawkat I like they're my favorites I love watching those two I think that it's again two people who are just giving like just fantastic performances (laughs) and young Michael Sarah I mean obviously hello I'm calling you from 2004 or whatever but like Young Michael Sarah is so good in this. Uh, I what an incredible talent, and the same for Leah yeah. Shawcat. So it's really, it's really, really fun watching them play off each other, and I, I can't wait to keep watching them. I love watching it. I love watching the early episodes and like hearing his lovely baby voice. <laughs> yeah, um, he looks so different. He looks like gone. he's going to grow up to yeah. be like a rugby player <laughs> from, from, and then he like grows up and is this like really, really scrawny guy. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like, uh, there's apparently there's another new series coming this year oh, really because um it was originally on 2003 to 6 and then there was the fourth series which i mean i loved it because i loved the original but it like objectively it's not as good mm. but um apparently there's a fifth series coming this year oh, wow okay well hold on to your hats ad lovers yeah. right so what are we gonna do for next week well we've had quite a few listeners recommend this and i've seen lots of people discussing it both in positive and negative ways online um it's she's gotta have it on netflix which is kind of it's been on our radar for a while hasn't it but we haven't actually discussed it yet yeah so this um i was just reading about it before we started recording this is a remake of the 1986 Spike Lee film Mm -hmm. but it's a remake by Spike Lee and I was wondering like is it a kind of revisiting the characters 20 years on but no it's like the same story retold but this time over 10 episodes rather than in a feature film. Well I'm excited because I think it's been kind of divisive but very it's it's really sparked conversation either way so um and i think people have really kind of like found themselves reacting to it in a like on its own terms even if they're like this is kind of embarrassing or i'm not sure how i feel about what this character is doing 
it's not, they're still engaging with it in the way that it wants to be engaged with, I think. So I'm excited. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you enjoyed on the show we love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com and if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.